exalt you forever, forever, and we will worship forever, forever, we will exalt you. joining with a song Revelations it talks about all the elders and all the creatures bowing down to the throne and worshiping 724 although time doesn't isn't the same there but so we're just joining with and we will worship for eternity this up now. Father, we glorify you. Jesus, we lift your name and praise you. We acknowledge your presence in this house this morning. We ask that you fill us up. That your presence would be clearly manifested, would be clearly known. Inhabit the praises of your people. Just want to take a moment. any any uh, any stuff sitting from the week that's getting on your mind I know it's still in Carol it's a struggle sometimes to just clear your head and just focus on Jesus it's easy to get distracted amongst the stuff so just take a moment and uh, just turn your affection to God in whatever way that looks for you it's simpler for me just to focus on Jesus. It's, he's, he seems less complicated than all the rest. Let's take a moment.
taken a moment to pull up scripture to about who God says he is. Can you guys think of some scriptures about who God says you are? Come on. What do they call it? Sword drill? Sword drill? He's, he's faithful. We're faithful because we're in Christ, right? Yeah. Who does God say you are? The beloved. The beloved. Anybody else? Precious in his sight. Chosen. Adopted, redeemed, chosen. Sons and daughters. Co-heirs with Christ. Royal priesthood, holy nation, seated in heavenly places, with Christ, seated in heavenly places. So, so we're going to sing a, a, a new song for you guys. It's pretty straightforward, but uh, it's called I Am No Victim. So this is something God says we're not. But as we go into 2018... Um, I guess this is a new year. There's new things. And eight's like new, right? Lorreen, eight's new. Eight's new. Okay. So 2018, we'll, we'll focus on the eight part there. It's new. New beginnings makes things new. So if, if I know uh, I heard one guy was prophesying about, oh, it was Chris Valentin, yeah. 2018, no, somebody else, anyways. 2018, it'll be about um, our identity, our sonship, our daughtership in Christ. There's going to be a, a lot of that you'll probably see. So we're not orphans. And we, we function, I think we need to learn to function from an identity as, as children, as his kids. And not, not just servants. I mean, my kids are servants for me. Thanks, kids. But not just servants. Um, my older kids are becoming friends, but 
first and foremost, they're my, my sons and daughters. And that's a, it's a special place that we, we have in the Father's hearts. So you can sing along, but if, if you need to sing this to yourself as well, I know this is, this is still something kind of new for me to get my head around, my identity. So just sing it over yourself, how I sing it over you too. Verse 1. 
this over yourself. He says I Let's start at the beginning of that.
minister a spirit of adoption to us, Lord. Give us a greater revelation of who we are in you, Jesus. Begin to light the dark. 
Our God exchanges old for new dawn. He's conquered night and death. He's lost a life and now we are exchanging old for new.
My confidence is your faithfulness. I will rest in your promises. My confidence is your faithfulness. I will rest. top of grace more than I've asked for more than I'm worth grace on top of grace how sweet the sound once lost now found heaven came down and grace rescued me hallelujah I am free my sin and penalty at the cross you took my place with your grace on top of grace Lord how you love me I don't Grace on top of grace More than I've asked for More than I'm worth Grace on top of grace How sweet the sound Once lost, now found Heaven came down And grace rescued me Hallelujah sin and penalty at the cross you took my place with your grace on top of grace hallelujah i am free from my sin and penalty at the cross you took my place with your grace on top of grace 
How sweet the sound Once lost, now found Heaven came down And grace rescued me How sweet the sound Once lost, now found Heaven came down And grace rescued me Hallelujah, I am free From my sin and penalty At the cross you took my place With your grace on top of grace Hallelujah, I am free From my sin and penalty At the cross you took my place your grace on top of grace with your grace on top of grace with your grace on top of grace amen You know, it's interesting when you read, when you read through something, and you just take it all in, and you get into Acts, and the first time you see the mention of the grace of God, when it, when it talks about grace, it's in the context of including us in the plan of salvation, right? So it's not, it's not all the rules and all the regulations, it's not all the rituals and all the forms, but it's the sheer grace of God that as us as Gentiles are included. Because remember, salvation came from heaven in the form of Jesus, right? A Palestinian Jew, and he preached, and he taught, and he ministered in power in Galilee, starting in Galilee and en route, of course, to the Mount of Transfiguration and on to Jerusalem. But then it expands further, and isn't it amazing when you get into the book of Acts how it expands, the next thing you know, us people who are non-Jewish, in terms of our nationality and our ethnicity, that all of a sudden now there's this, there's this unfolding of really what was already prophesied, right? It was already prophesied that we would be in there. There was provision made. Even in the, in the temple, in the court of the, of the Gentiles. But now isn't it amazing that today, don't ever let that, don't ever let that become an old story. Don't ever let it become an old story that we're included in the God's kingdom. A kingdom where God is king. A kingdom where the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. But we're in there. If you know the Lord Jesus today, if you've been born again of his spirit, according to John 3, as he, Jesus was teaching Nicodemus, if you've been born again, you're in the kingdom. You're in the kingdom. 
You're in the kingdom of God. He's king, he's ruler. He is our savior, our redeemer. And because of that, as, as, as Ryan was mentioning, we are his children. Because of that, isn't that awesome to know that it was the sheer grace of God? You couldn't earn it. You couldn't give enough money. You couldn't come to enough services to get the grace of God. That's enough to praise him, isn't it? It's enough to get excited. It's enough to praise the Lord this morning. And that's not my message today, but I just felt to share that. Just, oh, just good stuff. Thank you, worship team. You guys, man, uh, just get better. Really helps, helps me to, 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 to really connect. And um, this morning, a number of things. Uh, of course, uh, if you look at your bulletin, and I uh, trust that you were able to, to, to receive a bulletin this morning. Um, of course, following our service this morning, we are going to have a congregational meeting um, to, to, uh, to look at our constitution and our bylaws as it relates primarily uh, though there are other areas in which uh, we had to uh, just bring clarification of some of those, um, many of the little changes are, are clarifications and, and just bringing things up to date. But uh, the biggest issue, of course, is just the structure of the way that we're dealing with church membership. So just uh, trust that uh, you received uh, because they were made available, all of the copies and lots of time. So we're not going to spend really... Uh, much time in terms of going through the document point by point. We're, we're, we're trusting that you have read it through carefully with a fine-tooth comb. And if there's any questions that you have, uh, that uh, you would be able to be prepared for that uh, when the time comes. So just remember, uh, following the service, the meeting. Also really excited about, um, on the 28th, Global Worker to Asia, Terry Bone, I don't think he's any stranger to this congregation. Terry's going to be with us. Terry's going to be sharing about what the Lord is. Not, if, if there's cash or check or whatever that you do, and you put it in a, you can put it in our um, one of our envelopes, and you can mark that down for Terry Bone. And uh, we will make sure that um, that uh, all the funds that are received, designated for for Terry, will go to. Uh, the the ministry in which he's under ID Ministries, so you don't have to necessarily make it out to ID Ministries. You can make it out to the church if you want, but make sure you mark it, designate it, and we'll get those funds uh, right to Terry. We want to bless him. We know he's coming in from uh, uh, Ontario, flying in from Ontario into Calgary, and that costs, and he typically pays that himself. And uh, he has a son in Calgary in which he's able to stay with, and then rent a car, and it costs and gasoline costs and so there's always cost right we can't run these things without paying something anybody if you figured out a free way to do it let me know so it costs some money so we we want to we want to be sure that we cover those things we want to be a blessing to him so um just be in prayer about that as um as that date approaches so this morning if we were going to take this moment to uh to give to the lord and bless the lord this morning with our tithe and our offering and and as we, we do that, we're going to put it on the screen, the, the slide on the screen. We're going to pray this together as the ushers come. I don't know about you, but um, Christiane and I have been talking, and I know here my ushers are coming, and I'm going to say something else. But Christiane and I have been talking, and, and it's just, I won't get into all the details, but one of the things that we have talked about is we just want more. We just want more. 
God, whatever you got, we'll take it. Right? And, um, you know, sometimes you think about things that are going on in other places and you think about how God is, is, is manifesting his presence. Well, I, I don't know about you, but I think when, when God manifests his presence, it does not only something for us, but it does something uh, when it comes to uh, our, our witness. It, 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 it just seems like good news also spreads. And we want to be a bearer of good news, right? We want to be a bearer. So, Lord, we're praying for, for things to happen. And so as we say this together, as we, as we pray this together, this is really what this is about. So, Lord, as we receive today's offering, we are believing you for heaven open, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked, miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declaration, impartation, and divine manifestations, anointings, giftings, and calls, positions and promotions, provisions and resources to go to the nations, souls and more souls from every generation, saved and set free, carrying kingdom revival. Thank you, Father, that as I join my value system to yours, you will shower favor, blessing, and increase upon me. I may have more than enough to co-labor with heaven to see Jesus get his full reward. Hallelujah. Amen. God bless you as you give this morning. I'm just going to tidy up a couple of things here. It's interesting. I think it was on Friday that I told um, Penny. Uh, Penny, here's my... I, I sent it to her by email. I said, Penny, here's my, here's my message. Here's my title. Here's the scriptures. Here's the points. And then I walk in this morning after she's taken the time to get those slides all together. And I said, uh, Penny, I, I am kind of wrestling with where I want to go with all this. And uh, the more I think about where I am feel lit, led to go, the more butterflies I feel in my stomach. And the more jittery I get, and the more excited I sort of get about it. And so I said, you better, uh, you better mark this down. And you better put these scriptures down here just at least I don't have all the scriptures didn't have time to do that this morning and so this is a little change in uh, in direction but I believe that it's uh, it's, it's really important that uh, we just follow the prompting of the spirit um, if you got your Bible this morning or you can put it on the screen we're going to look into Ezekiel chapter 37 Ezekiel 37 and we're going to look at the text there in a few moments but when you when you look into um, and I know we've had you, you may have heard messages on this particular passage and I have no idea how it was delivered uh, maybe it'll be different the way I do it and that's okay but one of the things that um, if, if, you, if you know a little bit about Old Testament history and not going to you know, just going to kind of give ba the basic rough shot here is um, that we know that that there was an exile. We know that around 600 BC, that a foreign empire came in and they were forced to go into Babylon. 
They were forced to go in this very diverse, very cosmopolitan city, and they found themselves in a place where the throne, the rulers, the government did not care anything about what they believed and what they practiced. They were in exile. It's interesting that there's a lot of people today that are looking at that exile theme. And they're finding similarities, parallels to our situation today. You know, one time, I don't know about you if you noticed this, but one time the government was okay with making sure that Sunday was marked off as a day where families could gather and they could worship, right? Morality. The government seemed to have our back on that. There was a Judeo-Christian worldview that was kind of threaded through our nation. In fact, we know that part of the reason why the people came over from Europe and settled here was to find that freedom. Freedom to worship. And so on. And so there's some parallels here. And so we know that when it comes to Old Testament history, not only did the throne not care much about their faith, but the other part was is that it seemed like God's favor was gone. The throne didn't care. It felt like God's favor was gone. And so, I don't know about you in this kind of situation, that what we know, that when you find yourself in that situation, you, you lose your song. You lose your hope. These are dark days. These are dark days. Interestingly enough, in our time right now in North America, we're finding that it doesn't matter what denomination you find yourself in, that there is a sense of exile. There's a sense of exile. There's a sense that something has been lost. And there's a bit of a scrambling to try to figure out what we're going to do about it. How are we going to bring life again? Hope again? And I've heard this word, this buzzword, revitalization. Now, of course, vital having to do with life and vitalization. Revitalization means trying to bring back life. Wouldn't you agree with me? Bringing, in other words, we're talking about a theme, a word, a restoration. Restoration. And this really is the, the idea that we see being unfolded in the book of Ezekiel here. Because in exile, you're in a very weird situation. Things aren't the way that they used to be. Does anybody feel that now? It's not quite the way that it was. Things are changing at a rapid pace. And it's going in the wrong direction. The old rules have changed. And with that, we, we, we have a sense of rootlessness. We have a sense that the old patterns don't fit anymore. And sometimes it can lead us to a point where we wonder, where is God in all of this? 
It's a day that's mixed with mixed emotions, mixed pain. But it's also a time where God begins to speak to Ezekiel in a situation like this. And that's really the backdrop of, this, of, that, of that story, just a basic backdrop, just to kind of get you a feel for it. And I don't know, but as a pastor, I've, I've, I've had conversations, and I know we have them nationally, and I know we have them regionally, of how are we going to address this strange new situation in which we are in? How are we going to do something about this sense of exile? This sense of hopelessness? This sense of, you know, what do we do next? And so really, Ezekiel 37 has to do with God making a promise that God, this is an apocalyptic vision. This is a vision that Ezekiel has, the Lord gives him, of the restoration of Israel even while they are in exile. But for, for us today, could I just bring this into the 21st century? That I, that I also believe that there's something in this, there's truth in this that we can apply to ourselves today. And so, Lord, we come humbly to your word. And we ask, Lord, today that, God, that you would speak by your spirit. And that, God, that you would reveal things to us. That, Lord, that you would, you would bring a, a sense of hope in the darkness. Lord, that you begin to alleviate the pain. And that, God, that you would put within us a belief and a faith and a trust, knowing that, God, your promises are yes and amen to those who believe. Lord, greater things are coming. Greater things are coming. And may we have the faith and the belief for it. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. So an apocalyptic vision, restoration. Verse 1, it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. And he set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. And he led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, O sovereign Lord, you know, you alone know. So we find that in this, in this text, this apocalyptic vision that Ezekiel has. Now, how many know this morning that's the way God speaks? God can speak to you with a, a, a dream, a vision. Amen. That's, that's, part, of, that's part of how the, God reveals himself. Reveals truth, reveals plans. And so the Spirit of the Lord is taking Ezekiel, and in this vision, he takes the prophet into the middle of, the, of this valley. This valley that's full of dry bones. We used to live in a, in a valley town, um, Sussex and New Brunswick, a very beautiful spot. But here's Ezekiel, he's in this valley, and there's dry bones as far as the eye can see. Now, as I mentioned before, this is an apocalyptic vision in the Old Testament. This has, this in its context, original context, has to do with, with, with Israel. But it's interesting that in verse 11 it says that these, because it says in verse 11, these bones are the whole house of Israel. But if you go down to verse 24, and we don't have to, you don't have to necessarily do that, but you can mark it down. You also note that God tells Ezekiel 
to tell the people that my servant David, who of course has been dead for a while now, will be king over them, and they will have one shepherd. And also in verse 25, it says, And David, my servant, will be their prince forever. So how can David, who's been dead for many years, be their king forever? Because I think that not only is it in its original context a picture of national Israel, but we're talking also spiritual Israel. Thank the Lord, we've been grafted in. Romans 11, read Romans 11, and we've been grafted into the olive tree, right? Praise God for that. And so King David's going to be king forever. Well, we know that Jesus is the Davidic king. We know that in the birth narrative of Jesus in Luke 1, that Jesus was the one who was the son of David who was going to rule on his throne forever. So we can see that this is not only projecting to Israel, but this is also a far-off promise that I think that we can hold on to this morning as the church. Because in verse 12, it says, it says, Oh, my people. Can I ask the question, who are his people today? We are his people. Every blood-bought saint today, everyone who's experienced the grace of God, you're in. You're a part of his people. You're part of the family of God. I love that imagery, the family of God. Galatians 3.29 says, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs to the promise. Wait a minute. I'm looking at my skin. It's kind of light. Although Ed says, well, maybe your hair might point something. But I'm not a Jew by, by birth. But that's not what Paul is getting at. Paul is saying that it's because of your faith. It's because of our faith in Jesus. It's the faith in God that makes us Abraham's seed and heirs to the promise. Peter in 1 Peter 2 verses 9 to 10 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. In verse 10, you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Folks, we were talking about identity this morning. That's who we are. That's who we are. It's important to lay that foundation because even though this was a prophecy originally delivered to the Jewish exiles, again, without hope, this passage paints a graphic picture concerning restoration, life, reviving today. Reviving today. Now, I don't know about you, but if we have a, a fellowship and we have other denominations say we need, we need to be revitalized, we need to have life again, then I would say that this section of, this section of the word is very relevant today, wouldn't you say? Now, I don't know about you this morning, but I could use a little restoration. I could use a little reviving. I could use a little charge. Who would say here, maybe right now your battery's a little running a little low. Maybe your cup is a little bit getting to, the, to near the bottom. And you need God to begin to pour a little bit of life into you this morning. Who would say, I need a little life, Lord, this morning? Who would say, I'm a little hungry today? Who would say, I'm a little thirsty today? Who would say, I need more of you, Lord? I need more of you today, God, than I did before. Well, this is good. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Because I believe that the church in North America needs a visitation. I really do. 
And why would you say that? Because, listen, God is visiting other parts of the world and God is moving in power and there's life and there's salvation and there's deliverance and there's healing and there's joy and there's hope and there's praise. We need a little dose of that, wouldn't you say? We need a little dose of that. So now that we've agreed with that, we're good candidates. Amen? We're good candidates for that because, folks, it's important to know what we need. How many understand you can't, what do they, what do they say about those who, who uh, you know, you, you, can't, you can't get help unless you acknowledge that you have a need, right? Isn't that what they say? And unless you acknowledge your need for something, it's very difficult to get it because we need to be in a posture of reception. We need to say, Lord, here I am. That's our part to that's our role to play, right? Here I am, Lord. Because God wants to give, but the question is, do we want to receive? And so, in order to recognize our lack, to recognize our need, puts us in a very good posture. So we need to recognize it. Number one, if we want restoration, if we want revival, we need to recognize what we need. Now get this picture for a moment. Here is Ezekiel. He's taken by the Spirit of the Lord, verse 1, and he brought me out... By the Spirit of the Lord, and he sent me in the middle of a valley of dry bones. It was full of bones. It was full of bones. Full of bones. And, and, and I, that, might, that might represent a little bit maybe where you're at. I don't know, but I, I want you to know but that, that I, when I look at, and, and I said this in a class, I, I've been doing a, a part-time, I've been chipping away at a, master's degree in Pentecostal studies and I said during one of the small group um, the small group discussions that the PAOC needs to be re-Pentecostalized <laughs> and they kind of chuckled about that <laughs> yeah well when you look at the fellowship stats and you notice that they're saying there's about 12,000 people a year every single year that are reporting that the church is reporting when you put it all together you add it all up you tabulate it about 12,000 people are getting saved but only about 3,000 people are getting filled with the spirit or baptized in the spirit that means that 75% of those in the payock are not even Pentecostal we got a problem Houston we have a problem but if you go back into our roots if you go back to where we were one time you'll notice the movement had some distinguishing marks. There was a strong faith that drew the presence of God. A strong faith that drew the presence of God. They prayed for the sick. They expected that God would do something supernatural. It wasn't weird or kooky. Folks, I've heard people who were Pentecostal leaders and they said, that's kooky. That's the Bible. That's what Jesus did. That's what the Spirit did through Jesus. That's what the Spirit did through the early church. And you're telling me it's kooky? It's hokey pokey? Houston, we got a problem. And sorry if I'm getting a little excited and, and I, my veins pop out of my neck. But not only was there a strong faith, there was an expectancy. There was an expectancy that God would break through, that He would intervene. God would show up and he would manifest himself among us when we gathered together, when we prayed, when we worshipped, 
There was a sense, I remember as a kid, that you would go to a Pentecostal church service in the evening. We had evening services then. You might remember that. And if you got there at 7 o'clock when the church service started, you were lucky if you got a seat in the back or you might have to stand along the wall. You know why? It's because nobody knew what was coming next. Man, we don't know what could happen tonight. Folks, there were people who walked in and they were drunk. There were people who abused their wives. There were people who went to go make fun of these tongue talkers. These people who they said were hanging from the chandeliers and rolling on the floor. These holy rollers, they went to make fun of them. And they went to make fun and guess what happened? They got saved. Some of them got baptized in the Spirit. And the next thing you know, revival's happening. Why? Because it can't be contained. When, when God shows up, you can't contain it. Amen? Good stuff. There was expectancy. There was worship. There was enthusiasm. They didn't all look like they came to church sucking on a lemon before they got there. Their hands would be raised. They would be singing. They would be shouting. There would be Jericho marches. I remember a guy, how, old, how tall would Dell be? Six foot four. Hands the size of baseball mitts. And man, when he would close his eyes and get going, he would just be like this. Oh, yeah. That's okay to dance and to shout in the presence of the Lord. There was a commitment and the reason why there was a commitment to evangelism and to mission is because they understood of the Spirit's empowering. And they believed that Jesus could come back any moment. So, boy, we've got to do something about this. We've got to get out there. We've got to spread the word. We've got we to exhort the church to holiness and right living because Jesus is coming back. So give your all to him. But also, he'd give a warning to those who are lost. The end, they had the end in mind. And they knew that there was reward for the righteous and there was judgment for the wicked. That's not a popular thing to say. But folks, you would have to do some very incredible gymnastics to get away from that, from the Old Testament to the New. Because it's all moving toward the end. There's reward for the righteous. There is going to be there is going to be vindication for the righteous people of God who may have suffered, who may have went through hardship. There's going to be vindication. There's going to be reward. Fellowship was rich. The word of God was held in high regard. Folks, they, 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 yeah, they were in the word. They wanted to defend what they was of their experience. And the question I have is, where did some of this stuff go? We're more concerned about performances today in church. In many churches, it's about performance. And even you, though you have all those things going, you ask the question, where's the life? I've spoken with people. I've, I've been in web classes with people from, from all across the country. And interestingly enough, whether it be small or big church, they all feel something is missing. And it's not just from our tradition. It's not just from our tradition. They feel something is missing. 
We've had reports. I remember going to the prayer gathering in, in Sherwood Park, and our superintendent, Gary Tatinger, was showing statistics not only in our family, but also in the family of others. And I remember one time reading an academic paper by a guy who was from South Africa, and then he moved to the United Kingdom, and he found that it was like night and day, day and night, better yet, because there was a vibrancy in Africa that wasn't there in the UK. And very few people, very few Christians, very few Pentecostals. In fact, they say that, they, that when it comes to spirit empowered believers around the world and I'll use Pentecostal small p here this will take in everybody here you know classical charismatic third wave like third wave is like vineyard okay give you a frame of reference 90% of them live outside of North America and there's about 500 600 million of them right now start in a small small revivals small little fires and it's spread around the world, 500, 600 million strong and growing. Fastest growing movement in the planet, but I'm looking at our situation and thinking to myself, Lord, we need that life. We need that life back. Because we're looking a little pasty. We're looking just maybe a little dry. Where there's vibrancy other places. And we're hearing reports and we're hearing stories and we're hearing things are happening like over Mozambique with Heidi and Roland Baker. It's incredible things happening and, and yet in, in many places here in, at home it's, it's just a little on the dry side. It's a little on the dry side. I don't know about you but I just think the Lord needs it. We, we just need to get into a posture where we say, Lord, we're hungry again. Lord, we're hungry again. Lord, we, we, we need more. We need more than what we got right now. Because we, we don't want to be like that, that valley of dry bones. Maybe, maybe we're getting there. I don't know. Maybe we're there. Maybe that the spiritual condition that we have is a little on the dry side. It's interesting that these bones, they were, they were dry. They were white. They were, they were dead a long time. And some people might say, well, man, can a church be spiritually dead? Just look at Revelation 3. Revelation 3, 3, the church at Sardis. Jesus said to this, he said, you have a reputation for being alive. But you're dead. That's what Jesus said. Reputation for being alive. Well, man, we've got screens, we've got lights, and we've got great music, and we've got a website, and, you know, we've got... Lots of people coming, and we got the best coffee in town, and we got great performances, and we have a pastor who has a soul patch, and he has, uh, you know, he looks cool, and 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 he's got rips in his jeans because it's in fashion, and and, and I mean, I mean, we we got all that stuff. What do you mean we're dead? We're, we're a mega church. What what do you mean you're dead? Well, a reputation. Now, I'm not putting everybody in the same box here, but folks, there's a lot of places. It's just about the performance. It's just the glitz and the glam. It's like a show. It's like a show. And like a TV station, they, they've got all kinds of programs. And I'm not speaking against that. I don't mind being in the 21st century. I don't mind screens. I think screens are good. They're helpful. I love great music. And I think we got great music here, by the way. Praise God for giftings and talents. This is good. 
I don't know if you realize how blessed you are, but this is incredible. I love good mu music. And I like electricity. And I like heat and carpet and comfortable chairs. And I like indoor plumbing. How about you? You guys really appreciate indoor plumbing? So I'm not saying that we want to go back to the old rundown African-American, you know, the Episcopal Church, the Methodist Episcopal Church in Los Angeles at the turn of the century where it was smelly and there was, you know, just boards and apple crate for the, for the pulpit and, and there was no, no circulation of air, no ex air exchanger in that building, folks. No air exchanger. It was, and they just whitewashed it to try to cover over all the charred because there was a fire and the wood had charred, and it was kind of a mess. And I don't want to go back to where they didn't have air exchangers, and for some reason they decided to forget their deodorant. Because in the summer it got hot, and the flies were around, and it smelled bad. It smelled bad. But you know what was interesting? Despite the smell, despite the, despite the apple crates, despite the, the slats, despite the, just the hard wooden floors, despite this, what would seem to be a very dilapidated building, the presence of God was there. It wasn't fancy. It was not like the churches in Los Angeles at the time that were much more formal and much more elegant and with pastors and, and with lots of training and, and far more articulate than William Seymour, whose parents were slaves in Louisiana. But there was life that was there. And it went from a prayer meeting. First of all, he got locked out from a holiness church because he was preaching about the baptism in the Spirit. And they wouldn't let him come back. They put the padlock on the door. And so he went to a little house on Bonnie Bray Street where they had a little prayer meeting, but there was a little group of people, probably about 10, maybe 12 of them, that were hungry. They were so hungry for God that after a while, when the, when the fires begin to burn, people begin to say, wow, we better go check that out. Something's happening over there. And, and here's what happened. Here's what happened. They broke the veranda. There were so many people that gathered that they broke the veranda. They couldn't get inside the house. They had broke the veranda. And so they had to find another structure to meet in. And they said that from the spring of 1906 going to the fall, it went from a small group to... A, crowds of 1,500 people. No screens. No pulpit. No well-educated pastor. No comfy chairs. None of those things that we think are absolutely... One, I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not saying that those things are bad. I appreciate them. But when you have to stand in line for an hour to share your testimony, whoo, <laughs> I, I think something's going on there. And so reports go out on paper. And not only that, but from the time of spring to the time of December, same calendar year, they had missionaries in 50 countries. Missionaries in 50 countries. Wow. 
Lord, could you send a little light our way? What do you think? Could, could, could anybody use a little bit of that? What do you think that the... What do you think that the remedy is? I mean, you know, there's a tragedy when it comes to the Laodicean church. You know, they were rich. Or they thought they were rich. They thought that they were in great shape. But they, Jesus said that they were wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And it's interesting that Ezekiel is led back and forth. He goes back and forth through the valley of dry bones. He goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I wonder, was the Lord trying to get Ezekiel to see the gravity of the situation, just how grave it was? Perhaps that, that's what I'm, I'm wondering. Because again, unless you have a, a diagnosis, you're not willing to take the prescription. Right? Kids, even today, our kids were, were scared to death of the flu shot, right? Scared to death to get a flu shot. But once they hear reports that people die of the flu, they're no, no problem pulling up that sleeve and getting that shot. So maybe Ezekiel was being led that way because he want, the Lord wanted to show him the gravity of the situation, just how far reaching this spiritual death really was so that he could feel it himself. He could feel what was really happening. In verse 11, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. Oh, friends, we've got so much. We, we, got, we got so many resources today. We've got teaching tapes. We've got website stuff. We've got... We've got we have never existed in a time when there are so many resources for the church and yet the church is so powerless. Nothing against 21st century things. I have Logos Bible software. It's, it's, like, a, it's like tons of, of resources on your computer. We've got all kinds of wonderful things to work with, yet power. I don't know about you, but I think that that's the essence. I was talking with Terry on the phone and, and I have to agree, you know, there's nothing wrong with the 21st century stuff that we have, but we need the first century power. We need the first century power. Because God still heals. God still delivers. God still expels demons. He still transforms hearts. He still does those things. And I don't know about you, but I want to see God continue to do that stuff with more frequency who would say I need I want more I want more I want more good because that means you're not satisfied so we talked about recognizing the need but the other part is, do we have the faith to believe that God can do it again? I hope, now for anybody who studied anything about revivals through church history, you'll notice that God does it over and over and over again. And he does it in response, doesn't he? He does it in response to hearts that are hungry, hearts that are burdened, hearts 
even bones that are dry. Verse 3, there's a strange question coming Ezekiel's way. God asked, Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? Can these bones live? Now, if I were Ezekiel, maybe I would go through that valley of dry bones and I think, man, they are deader than doornails. There's no way. There's no way new life is coming to this valley, to this nation. But Ezekiel didn't focus on how dry the bones were. Here's what he says. He says, O sovereign Lord, O sovereign Lord, meaning you're the one that's in control. You're the one who is sovereign over life and death. You alone know. So I believe that Ezekiel believed that it was possible for that valley of dry bones to come to life, that God had the power and ability to raise up dead things. Do you believe God has the power and ability to raise up that which is dead? Well, you're a living proof. Amen? We're a living proof that God can raise up things that are dead. So now that we've got belief, we've got some belief that God can do it again. You know, God did it. I don't know if you've ever had any accounts of this, but there was a revival in Cambridge, Kentucky, quite a long, long time ago. Where God showed up in power and God and there was manifestations that were happening. I mean, folks, it, it sounded like it sounded like a real Pentecostal revival. But he did it again in Azusa Street. He did it again in, in Chile. He did it again in India. He did it in Toronto. He did it in Winnipeg. And folks, despite the de- of the decline that we see that our leaders are talking about, God can do it again. Despite the apathy that we see among many Christians, God can do it again. Despite the dryness that we might experience, God can do it again. Despite what we feel might be a hopeless situation, God can do it again. Despite the indifference, God can can do it again. Despite the disobedience, God can do it again. Despite the lack of holiness, God can do it again. Despite the resources that we think we don't have, God can do it again because God is sovereign and God is all-powerful and He raises dead things. Remember Elijah, there was a drought and God sent the rain. He was outnumbered 851 to one, even with a water-drenched altar, but when he prayed, the fire came down. Paul and Silas, they were in prison. Prison bars is dark. They're in bonds and in, in chains. They are in the prison at midnight, but guess what? They didn't focus on what, where they were or what had happened to them. No, they began to sing and they began to praise God. And what did God do? God set them when Lazarus was in the grave for four days, why four days? We talked about this at our council meeting because the Jews believed that after three days there was hope, but on the fourth day, uh-oh, we're done. Because the spirit that would be near the body in the first three days has now departed on the fourth day. And so Jesus shows up on the fourth day when they think all hope is lost. And what does he do? Lazarus, 
You come out of there. Right? God can do it again. God can do it again. Do you believe that? That God can do it again. Jesus says to Lazarus, come forth. What does is, what is the Lord say to Ezekiel? He says, prophesy. Yeah, prophesy to these bones. In other words, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Because that's what the prophet was to do, was to bring the word of the Lord. So dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Prophesy to these bones. And he commands Ezekiel to preach his word, and he commands the bones to hear the word. Folks, will we hear this morning what the Spirit is saying to us? God can raise up what is dead. And so here's the prophet. The prophet is faithfully preaching the word of the Lord. He's telling the people to believe and to do the commands, to hear and to believe, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So he says to prophesy to them, prophesy to them, prophesy to them. But folks, if you're going to, listen, you know this, you know this. In order to prophesy, how many know that you you need to hear what God is speaking? Because that's important. Because the prophet was to deliver what God had said, not what so-and-so had said. Right? There to be a messenger of the Lord. And folks, I don't know, but there's a lot of people today, a lot of pastors, and, and, and I'm not trying to be overly critical here, so, so I'm, 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 I'm saying this with, with humility, but, or trying to anyway, but I just want to say this, is that, is that you have to hear, you have to go with the leading of the, of the Lord in order to know what to say, because there's people that are doing this, or, and, and, I, and I'll use tools, I, I got my computer. And I, and I save stuff, and I, and, I, and I write stuff on, and I print it off because it's better than my handwriting. I couldn't read it if it's all my... I have preached hand, from handwritten stuff, but half to, half, most of the time I can't even read what it says because it gets so sloppy after you write number of pages. But there's people today that, that it's... Let, let's just go on this wonderful website where there's this, this sermon that sounds good, and I'll just zip that off, and I'll just preach that. doesn't sound to, like to me that they're getting getting something from the Lord or getting what somebody else got from the Lord. Amen? And so-and-so, del- I mean, it might be good, and so-and-so delivered that for their congregation at a certain time because they need to hear it then, but, but what about the fresh word from, the, from God? What about the, the word, the timely word of, from the Lord? What about the timely prophecy? Because this is a certain situation, Right? This is a particular situation. This is Ezekiel in a vision, valley of dry bones. Ezekiel can't preach somebody else's message. Amen? He can't go online and say, oh, this is really cool. There's a really cool package. And it's a sermon series by famous preacher guy from down in the state somewhere in some mega church. And I'm just going to purchase the sermon series, and I'm going to preach it to the valley of dry bones. You think that's going to work? No, 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 no. This is, this is a word from the Lord. Prophesy to them. It means that you speak what God has said. It means that you're speaking under inspiration. And, here, and God tells Ezekiel, speak for me. Tells him to do it in this passage seven times. Prophesy, prophesy. So, so Ezekiel doesn't go on the World Wide Web. 
He preaches what the Lord tells him. Verse 5, this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. Here, here it comes. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. There it is. There it is. God raises dead things. Verse 6, I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. That's the message. Okay. Verse 7. So, here's what Ezekiel does. He says, I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying. Why? Because there's power in the word. There's power in God's word. Don't forget. But it's by his word that he created this universe. That's pretty powerful. Pretty powerful. It says, as I was prophesying, there was a noise. A rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. And we know that what that song was, you know, the... the, the, the foot bones or the toe bones connected to the foot bone the foot bones connected to the ankle bone the ankle bone connected to the knee bone the knee bone connected to the thigh bone the thigh bone connected to the hip bone I'm just trying to get remember my anatomy here and we know there's what is it 600 and some bones is that right I don't know how many bones there are I'm not a medical doctor how many 201 206 bones right Oh, he says, Ethan says 206. Okay, we'll go with it. Now, somebody's going to be Googling right now. I can, I can see that right now, yep. Bone to bone. Verse 8, I looked and the tendons and the flesh appeared on them and skin covered them. But something was missing. Something was missing. In other words, the structures are there. The structures are there. What have I said before? The structures are there. We got the screens and we got the seats and we got the electricity and we got all those wonderful things. But there's something that's missing. And guess what? In this body, this, these bones that are coming together to form this body, something is missing. And what was missing is this: there was no breath in them. There was no breath in them. What did God do after he made Adam and Eve from the dust of the ground and he formed their body? He went, didn't he? Uh, Folks over here saw that. He went, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath. Not just anybody's breath. This is God's breath. The breath of L. What was it? Breath of life. Brilliancy points there for you folks. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor, breath, wind, air. It's the ruah in Hebrew of God. It's, it's that which animates us. It's that which gives us life. Folks, there's no life without the Spirit of God. There's no life without the Spirit of God. You can have all the structures. You can have all the infrastructure, all the framework that you want. But the church, without the Spirit, is like a corpse in a pine box. Because where the Spirit is, there's life. 
where the Spirit is, there's life. Folks, we need the Spirit. Verse 5, this is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Two times he says to the bodies that life only comes after he breathes into them. He breathes them into them the breath of life. But can I also add on, not only does the life come to us internally, but I also want you to know that it's when the Spirit also comes upon us that that's when we can lead others to new life because God then equips us with the power and the authority to go on in His name to do what He's called us to do. And folks, when there's no breath of God, we slip into routine and we slip into ritual and we slip into formalism and we slip into all that stuff that just brings death. But where the Spirit of God is, there's life, there's joy, there's peace, there's power, there's authority. That was part of the reason why so many people, when they came and they had an encounter with the Spirit in the beginning of the 20th century that they looked at where they were and they recognized that this is dead and this is dry. This is a form of godliness denying the power. And they said to, and and others were saying, we don't want you Holy Spirit people. You guys are all crazy. You're full of demons. You're speaking in babbling in tongues and and, and that's that's demonic and so people didn't want that, you see. And so they pushed them aside and got them out of there and and so what they do, they found fellowship with those of like faith. And that's why we have a fellowship right now. And many of them, and many more. But they left that. And when they got together, there was children that were prophesying. And there was people who were falling under the power of God, and there were scores that were being saved, and there was numerous people testifying and experienced healing. There were those who had demons and they were being cast out of them. And the fires, the fire of God, the restoration, the revival, the life spread around the world. So what is the message God gives Ezekiel? (coughs) Prophesy to the breath. Speak to the Spirit. Pray to the Spirit. Prophesy, O Son of Man, and say to him. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. And so what happens? We know what happens. We know that the bones begin to come. Look at verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And that means that he called upon the Spirit to bring life into the dead bodies. And it means that he waited on God to send it. And what was the result? What was the result? If you go down a little further, and the breath entered them, and life came to them, and they stood up on their feet, a vast army. Wow, you went from dry bones to an army of troops ready to do battle. Wow. Wow. Not only the breath and the life, 
but also the power. Could we stand this morning together? Who would say this morning? Who would say, I want more? Who would say this morning, I want to? Look, there's some of you this morning and you had experiences with a God, but maybe it's been a while and you, and, and you, need, you need a recharge. You need recharging the batteries. You need an oil change. You got too many miles. Maybe you're running 25,000 kilometers now and it's getting pretty thick and it's getting pretty dirty and you need, you need an oil change. You, you, need, you need God to, to fill you again. You were baptized in the Holy Spirit and you experienced fillings of the Holy Spirit at different times, but you need a refilling because your cup's a little on the dry side. Who would say that this morning? We call the worship team together. Or at least part of the worship team together. Whoever wants to come. And uh, I'm just going to leave it to them. Maybe they can pick a Holy Spirit song or something out of this. Or something that the Lord is, is showing them. And as they begin to play, folks, I, if, if you want to come, that's great. This is church, right? We, have, we don't have an evening service, so I always think we get a little extra time in the morning. <laughs> right? We always got a little extra time in the morning. Let's 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 uh, let's do. It's, it's, this is not a. We don't time this. This isn't the seventy-five minute service, and then you're out of here. I, I know there's churches that'll do that. Like as soon as the clock starts rolling, that's your preaching time. You better get it in in twenty-two and a half minutes. Because once you hit that seventy-five minute mark, it's over. You're done. Oh no, we want freedom, don't we? We want freedom. We're, because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. When the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Amen? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's life, there's joy, there's peace, there's hope, there's love, there's power, there's authority in God. We need life. We need your life again. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise your name this morning. Whenever you guys are ready, we're, we're good. Hallelujah. Now, if you're here this morning, this message just spoke to you. I'm not going to have a long altar call, another a call, I mean, like to try to get people. No, no. If you're sensing that the Spirit of God is, is, is nudging at you and, and, and you want to come and you say, Lord, here I am. And that's all you're doing is say, Lord, here I, I'm available. I, I just need more. I'm raising my hands and surrender. I'm raising my hands in a posture of receiving. Right? If, some, if, you went to the, if you went to a pizza joint and they passed you a pizza box, you would put both hands out to get it, wouldn't you? Especially if it was free. Well, how many know we got a father? And as a dad, I like to give good gifts to my kids. But how many know we got a heavenly father who's better than any earthly dad? And how much more does he want to give the Spirit to us? and more of the Spirit 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 if you're dry, come come, you who are weary and heavy laden come who are thirsty, come who are weak come, why? because if you drink of the waters that I give you, you'll never thirst again because it's living water, brings life It's not the stuff that comes from Edmonton in your tap. Oh, that's good. But this is better. Because this is is living water that will produce a wellspring. A wellspring. And it will just flow in your life. And it will overflow. It will touch others. So if you're here this morning and this is speaking to you, you come, 
make a place. You can make an altar where you're at, but you know, it's kind of neat when we come together and we encourage one another to seek the Lord together. Hallelujah. Praise His name. Praise you, Jesus. We just want more. We want life, Lord. We want life. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we want to hear your voice ringing on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we want to know you more and more, ringing on every word.
changes what we see and what we see when you walk in the room when you do what only you can do it changes us it changes what we see what we see God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice ringing on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we want to know you more and more, ringing on every word.
Is there is there anything that happened today? You want to? Yeah, come on up, Debbie. Something happened to Debbie today, and uh, just so everybody can hear, I'm going to give her the mic so she can share. When I had um, people lay hands on me, I felt a current of electricity go through me, and I know it was Jesus' hand on me, and I feel like I'm healed of all my medical issues. And I also know I, I got the tongues again, and I haven't done it for a long time. So, <laughs> Amen. 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 Woo! This is good stuff. Is anybody else at all? This is this is good. This is really great. And uh, I, I know Carol is a is a is a scribe. She likes to write things down. And, and if Carol, if you had it, I know you have you got a notebook there. If you could, you make a note of that and just send it to me as a reminder. Really appreciate it. Anybody else this morning? You know, the work of the Spirit is multidimensional. Sometimes God just fills you with joy and you just can't help but praise or laugh. And maybe it's a joy that you hadn't experienced for a while. That's a work of the Spirit. Maybe He's refilled you and you have a sense of boldness and courage now again. Maybe He's healed you. Maybe He's... Yeah, there's a lot of different things that He may do. Does anybody else want to testify? Anybody else? I saw Diane's hand go up. Did you want to share anything, Diane? Or yeah, yeah. All right, all right. I won't make you walk all the way. Just so everybody can hear. I just feel a new me. God has a new work for me, and He has a new thought for me. And I'm so happy. I can feel His love, His kiss on my cheek. That this is the year. This is my year. And I'm going for it. In Jesus' name. Yes. Praise God. Thank you. That's fantastic. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anyone else? Praise the Lord. We just continue to believe. Just continue to believe for, for greater things. Just continue to believe for greater things. Amen. Because God is a God who raises things that are dying and dead to life, to new life. Praise his name.
Just wanted to make a quick reminder that uh, we are going to be, in a few moments, uh, convening for a, a congregational meeting regarding amendments to our bylaws and constitution. So uh, please don't go too far. Thank you. Through all of my failures, 